0: Well, great to see you this weekend. Um, those of you who are here in the room, thank you for being with us. Those of you who are worshiping with us online, we're really glad that you're part of this worship service. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, it's my joy to be with you again this weekend. I really appreciate the opportunity that we have to worship together and thanks for coming, being part of it. Um, if you're new or newer with us and we haven't had the chance to meet you yet, we would love that opportunity. So for those of you who are here in person, um, if you shot that QR code on the seat back in front of you with your phone, that'll take you to our digital connect card, and you could let us know you're worshiping with us that way. Um, or if you'd like, you could stop by the welcome desk on your way out. Those of you who are worshiping online, you could hit that connect button, and that'll take you to our digital connect card. And the point of all of that is we really would like to meet you, we'd like to know if we could help you, pray for you, answer any questions for you, um, how can we serve you. And so if, you would, um, if you'd help us in that way, get to know you a little bit, we'd sure appreciate it. So we are, um, we're midway through this series we've been in since Easter, where we're talking about, we're calling it For the Win, and we're talking about victory that God gives to us through Jesus. And we launched this series on Easter, of course, because Jesus' resurrection from the dead is, it is the win of all wins. And so we landed on this little verse for our series, it's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, that says, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus won this victory over death and his resurrection from the dead. It's a victory you can't win, I can't win. And he shares his victory with us. He lets us participate in his victory. He gifts his victory to us. And so you and I get to experience life over death. And it's not just like for eternal life, it's also for this life too. And so what we're exploring in this series is the different ways that Jesus gives us victory in our life, not just for eternity, but in life today. And so what I'd like to talk about with you this weekend is I'd like to talk with you about how we can experience healing over the hurts in our lives. So we all hurt. We hurt physically, we hurt emotionally, we hurt relationally, we have spiritual hurts, and we all hurt. I was doing some reading and prep for our time together this weekend, and. There's a lot of information out there about like how men hurt differently than women, how they report that, and how people of different ages feel pain differently than other people and how they report that. And what I was amazed by is there's, there's not one category or slice of the population that doesn't feel pain. We all hurt. And what you do with that hurt makes all the difference in your life and in the lives of the people that you love. So you could, you could pretend like that hurt isn't there. You could try to shove it down deep. You could, you could deny it. You could act like, it, like it's nothing. You can kinda of press on, soldier on, pretending like that pain is not part of your life. You could, you could face it and you could move forward in it and you can do your best to own it and keep pressing forward and, and, and hope that that cliche is true, that time heals all wounds. So could I tell you though, time doesn't heal all wounds. Time impacts the hurt in your life. So if if you're a person who is denying that pain is there or you're trying to shove it back and just keep moving and not deal with it, what time does is time gives that pain in your life an opportunity to grow and to surface in other ways that are harmful to you and to your relationship. If you're facing the hurt in your life and you're trying to deal with it and trying to live in it, what time does for you is time gives you some distance so that you have some perspective and you have opportunity for other pleasant and positive experiences to get in between you and the pain. So time does impact how we, how we experience the hurt in our lives, time doesn't heal. What I'd like you to know in our time together this weekend is only Jesus heals. And I think that's fantastic news for people like us who are participating in a worship service The hurts that you have, the hurts that you're experiencing, the hurts that you've experienced in your life, Jesus is your healer. The ancient prophet Isaiah, God's prophet, writing about 750 years before Jesus, writes about Jesus and he says this, surely he took our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we're healed. In Jesus's pain, in Jesus's suffering, you and I can find healing for the hurts in our lives. He took our pain, he bore our suffering, and by his wounds, people like you and me get to be healed. So what I'd like to do in our time together today is, I'd like to do like just three little movements in this time. First, I'd like to talk with you about where our wounds come from, different spots that they land and come from in our lives. Second thing I'd like to do is look at three different questions that Jesus asks people who are hurting, and then three statements that he makes to people who have come to him for healing. I think this will be a really encouraging time for you, a really helpful time as we engage with these things together. So first thing is, let's talk about where these wounds come from in our lives. First one is, this is, we just live in a broken world. And if you're part of Christ's community, we've talked about this before, Genesis chapter three, if you're reading through the Bible, Genesis chapter one and chapter two, that is, that is the world God created for us. It is innocent, it is perfect, it is pristine, there's no pain, there's no suffering in that world. And then our first parents, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. And they insisted on their independence and they asserted themselves and they sinned against him. And when they sinned against him, everything in our world broke. Like, it totally changed everything, and so now we live in this broken world, and because we live in a broken world, we experience hurt and pain in our lives. Probably for me, the greatest example of this in my personal life is my mom died of cancer when she was 62 years old, way too young, and, and there's no explanation for that that we know of other than, like, we just, we live in this broken world, and in a broken world, things go wrong and things hurt us, and we get to live in the, in the hurt that's caused by a broken world. The other thing, sometimes our, our wounds, the woundedness is self-inflicted. You and I make decisions that, and we act on impulses and we move forward in ways that maybe we shouldn't. And sometimes we know in the moment, we know that that decision is wrong and we do it anyway. And sometimes we're just doing the best we can and we made the wrong decision. And, and we end up hurt because of those decisions that we make. And so sometimes the wounds that we experience in our lives are, are self-inflicted. Sometimes other people hurt us. Remember, we live in this broken world where we're all sinners. And sometimes other people, just they, they hurt us, they sin against us, authority figures, friends, people we look up to, people that we seek out for affirmation in our lives. Sometimes they hurt us on purpose, sometimes it's just an accident. Churches hurt people. If you've ever been hurt by a church or a spiritual religious authority figure in your life, I mean, here you are participating in a worship service, way to go. Like there's healing for people who are hurt by other people. Sometimes the pain comes to us, like it comes through Satan. You have an enemy of your soul. And Satan is the enemy of your soul. He's God's enemy. Everything God loves, he hates. Everything God is building, he's trying to tear down. And he is after you. He's identified in the Bible as a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And and Jesus came so that people like you and me can have life and we can have it to the fullest extent. And sometimes when Satan, like we say, oh, Satan's getting me in this. One, in, there's this book of the Bible called the book of Job. In the book of Job, God gives Satan permission to, to bring suffering into Job's life. And it's a test to see Job's faithfulness to God. Sometimes we experience suffering at the hand of our great enemy that way, but I think it happens more often in a different way. We are, he tempts us. And he says things to us that are not true. He has no authority in your and my life other than what we give him. If you're a believer in Jesus, other than what you give him, he has no authority in your life. And sometimes you and I say yes to some stuff like we believe lies he's telling us. And when we believe lies that he's telling us, that invites suffering and hurt into our lives. And so sometimes we're we're suffering at the hands of our own decision, but also the enemy of our soul. And so, so sometimes that's the source of our suffering. And then the last one just a combination of these. Probably very seldom is it just one. Usually there's a few things going on and other people are engaged and we have an enemy of our soul who loves to pour gasoline on the fires that are hurting in our lives. And so you and I, have, we, have, we go through our lives experiencing these different hurts, and these different wounds, and what we do with them, what we do with them makes all the difference for us. You stuff it down, you try to hide it, you try to pretend like you're not hurt, you stuff it into the dark, you push it into the dark of your life, it's gonna grow and it's gonna have the opportunity to, to impact you and the people you love in negative ways and greater in the future. And if you bring it into the light and the life of Jesus, he will give you healing. So let me share with you three questions that Jesus asks people who come to him for healing. These found throughout the gospels in the life of Jesus The first one, the first question is this, and this is the Gospel of John chapter five. He asked this guy, do you want to get well? It happened at at a side of pool where sick people would gather because every once in a while the water would stir, and The folk theology was that's an angel of God who's stirring the water and the first person in the pool gets healed. And now, that's not the way God works. There's there's very few scholars who say that this is the way, this was God, this was an angel from the Lord. This This was Satan, I believe, messing with people in that day and bringing about false hope. And so Jesus walks up to this guy who is around that pool waiting for the water to stir and he asks him this question, he says, do you wanna get well? So on the surface, it kind of feels like a rhetorical question, doesn't it? I have, I've, I've dragged myself down here to this pool. I'm waiting for the water to stir. Of, of course I wanna get well. But for people who are hurting, this is a really important question. Because for us, our wounds can become part of our identity. And so when you think about yourself, you, you think about that wound and you let that wound be part of your identity. And if your wound is part of your identity, like that's, that's a different, that's a harder question to answer. Do you, do you wanna get well? Sometimes in our lives, we nurse our wounds as a way to punish the people who hurt us. If you've been hurt by somebody else, and, and you nurse that wound so that for all their days, they get to see what kind of pain and chaos they've created in your life. And they, we nurse that wound so, so we hang on to it. Do, do you wanna get well? If you're holding on to that, that wound as a way of punishing somebody else for what they did to you, like, this is a serious question that you have to wrestle with and answer, do you wanna get well? Sometimes we use our wound as a shield from future wounds. Okay, if, if, I, if I were to receive healing for this wound, then I have to get back out there again and somebody might hurt me. That's one of the reasons I, I, I applaud and celebrate those of you who've been hurt in churches and, and you're here and you're participating in church because if you'll receive healing for a wound, you, you do have to risk, like you get to risk it again And and sometimes we don't want to be healed because if I'm healed, I've got to go back into a vulnerable situation where somebody might hurt me again. And so so the question, do you want to get well? Sometimes we have our own ideas about how we want to be healed. Do you want to get well? Yes, I want to get well, but here's the way I want to get well. Yes, Yes, I would like to be healed, but here's the kind of healing that I would like. Jesus just walks up and asks the question of this guy who's, do you want to get well? And for people like you and me, this is a really important question because I wanna get well and I wanna get well on my own terms. Those are two very different answers. And so this is, this is a really important question for, for people who've been hurt. Do you, want, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? And so as you process through that and try to answer that question, there's a second question that Jesus asks people. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Sounds like he's gathering information. The first time Jesus asked this question, he was actually talking to a blind man who's named Bartimaeus, and his name means son of Timaeus. So blind Bartimaeus, if you went to Sunday school, we all learned about him, if you're a church guy like me. Blind Bartimaeus, he, he, was, he was off in the distance and he knew Jesus was coming, and because he knew Jesus was coming, he started yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's yelling, trying to get Jesus' attention, trying to get Jesus to come. And, and the crowd, somebody in the crowd says, man, he's coming, he's coming your way. And, and so you could be quiet now because he's headed this direction. And Jesus walks up to this guy who cannot see and he asks him, he says to him, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knows he's blind. Jesus knows he can't see. And in that moment, Jesus has heard him shouting in the distance, hey, son of David, which at that time was, was Bartimaeus was saying, hey, I believe, like, I believe you're the Messiah. Like, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're who some people are saying you are. I've heard about you. I'm believing this about you. And then Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, this, it's, it's beautiful what he does. It's, tender, it's a tender moment, faith moment. He calls Jesus rabbi. And in saying rabbi, he's not just saying like, hey, you're somebody's teacher. He uses the term of affection and endearment. It's a personal term. And he says, hey, you're my rabbi. I am, I am learning from you. I am following after you. I am submitted to you as best I can be rabbi. I want to see. I wanna see. And what Jesus is doing in that moment is not gathering information. Jesus is not wondering what it is that Bartimaeus wants from him. Jesus already knows that. This is one of the most comforting truths in all the scripture. Jesus tells us, your father in heaven, your heavenly father, he knows what you need before you ask him. And and so this isn't an information gathering session that Jesus has when he's asking this question. What he's doing is he's, he's pulling out of Bartimaeus and what he's doing is pulling out of People like you and me, he's he's pulling out our desire and helping us express our faith. And so in asking this question, what do you want me to do for you? This question is about desire and it's about faith and it is about permission. You have permission to ask your heavenly father. You have permission to ask Jesus to do for you what you want him to do. You do not have to be safe and calm and Like there's this gap of distance between you and him. And like if, oh man, I can't really say what I'm thinking. I can't say it the way I wanna say it. That is not true at all. Jesus walks up to people and he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And and he's giving you permission to say what you want him to do for you. So if you're a Christian person, if you'd consider yourself to be like faithful in these kinds of things, um, this might be a hard question to answer. If you're hurting and you would say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm faithful, this might be a hard question to answer because if you really said to Jesus what you wanted him to do, you're worried that he might disappoint you. If he, if he, doesn't, do what you, if he doesn't do what you're asking for, that, that might be a great disappointment in your life and you don't, you don't wanna experience that kind of disappointment. You don't trust him all the way where he could not do it and still like you could trust his goodness in your life and his plan for who you are and what he's got in days ahead of you. So you might you might want to you might be tempted to hedge on your answer to this question to to protect you because he doesn't do what you ask for or maybe to protect your thoughts about him so that you're not disappointed in who he is. It could be a hard question to answer for that reason in your life or it could be a hard question to answer because this question reveals. This question reveals for us what we really think, what we really believe about who Jesus is and what he can do. What do you want me to do for you, he asks. And that leads to the third question. The third question is, do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? Jesus asks this question. He's talking to two blind guys. They followed him, they were just like blind Bartimaeus, they were asking Jesus to have mercy on them, and Jesus had their attention, and the situation is very similar, but it's just really interesting to me that Jesus asked them a different question than he asked Bartimaeus. He asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He asked these two blind guys, do you believe that I can do this? So do you believe? Our faith matters. Our faith matters in what we receive from God, and I don't mean that in a hokey, silly kind of, you just name it and it's gonna happen way, but you cannot read about the life of Jesus, you cannot read through the gospels, the accounts of Jesus's life and come to the conclusion that your faith, my faith doesn't really matter in all this, he's just gonna do what he's gonna do. Our faith matters. Your faith matters, my faith matters. Now, in saying that, remember, remember, faith is a gift that God gives to us. That's the great news in this, our faith matters, but it's not something that I have to, like I have to conjure up or I have to create in my own life. Faith is a gift that God gives to each one of us. And so we have have faith, God gives us faith, and we get to exercise that faith. And if you're wondering, well I don't know if I have faith, I don't have enough faith. Jesus said all you have to have is like a little bitty speck of faith, just a little bitty speck of faith. He said faith like a mustard seed. If you have just like a little bitty speck of faith, From where you're sitting and where I'm standing, if I had a muscle, you couldn't see it. If you just have a little bitty speck of faith, that's all it takes. Like you you can move mountains with a little bitty speck of faith if you have a little bitty speck of faith. And so you have to exercise the faith that you need. Do you believe? Do you believe? And so you and I, our faith matters in these things. And when I'm saying our faith, I'm not just talking about like, hey, I'm an optimistic person and I generally believe good things are gonna happen or like I'm just kind of putting this out into the universe to see what comes from all this. That's not faith. That's not the kind of faith Jesus is talking about. When Jesus asks this question, do you believe? He's asking a specific question. Are you gonna exercise the faith that I give you? Because the faith that he gives to us, that faith always has an object. It's not just faith in whatever, or faith that something good's gonna happen. Like it, is, it is faith in Jesus. Do you believe, and he asked that next question, that I can do this? Do you believe that I can do this? That I'm the healer? Do you believe that I'm the one who will heal you from your wounds, from your hurts? Do you believe that I can do this? And those blind guys, <laughs> like they're very convinced. Their answer to Jesus is a resounding yes, a yes, and I am so inspired by those guys because they are the picture of living by faith. They, they, had, they had heard what Jesus had done. They had seen nothing. They, can't, they haven't seen it. They've heard what Jesus has taught and they've heard what Jesus has done. And from that, they have concluded, if we're gonna get healed, he's our guy do you believe that I can do this? And their answer is a resounding yes. And for those two dudes, there was nobody else. There was no one else to help them. If Jesus didn't show up in their life, they were sunk. And so they look at Jesus and they're like, yes, I can do this, we believe that you can do this. And, and so they have this, they're this beautiful picture of living by faith that you and I, living in this different time, we, we live in this time, God has given us so many different gifts that we get to live with that help us with the hurts in our lives. They're beautiful gifts. He's given us medical professionals, he's given us mental health care professionals. In every area where you and I have a wound in our lives, we have, we have people and we have stuff to help us deal with all that. And so I'm gonna nuance this for just a little bit and if you'll hang in here with me, recognize that, that people and professions like God has given us Gifts in this, but there's a big question for people like you and me who are hurting. There is a difference between trusting these gifts that God has given to us and trusting in them. Think about that nuance with me for just a second. There's a difference between trusting. So God has given us people who, he has made things known to them. He has allowed them to discover things and they know so much. And what they know is extremely helpful for us in receiving our healing. We should trust them. We should go to them, we should talk with them, we should hear their advice, we should heed their advice. But there's a difference between trusting them and trusting in them. And for people like you and me, God has given us gifts that we should, we should receive and we should trust, but there's only one healer. And if we're going to receive healing, if we're going to receive his kind of healing, we trust we trust our doctors, we trust the professionals in our lives, we trust them, but we trust in the Lord because Jesus is asking the question of people who are hurt and want to get well, do you believe that I can do this? And if you, if you hear that question and you struggle a little bit with that, there's this great little prayer in the Bible, it's from a dad and his kid was struggling and he, Jesus asked him, like he said, faith is important in this and, and the dad's prayer, it's a great prayer, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Hey, I've got faith in here and I'm not very good at exercising it. Will you you help me exercise the faith that you've given to me? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Do you believe I can do this? And as we lean into that, those three questions for people who hurt. Do you wanna get well? What do you want me to do for you? Do you believe that I can do this? Those are important questions to sit in and answer. Answer honestly, and let the Lord help you answer those questions. And to people who are who are sitting in that and trying to answer those questions, Jesus says three things. Let me just real quickly run you through these three things that He says. The first thing He says, "If you believe, you will see the glory of God." If you believe, faith is important. It's not something you have to manufacture. It's something He gives to you, but you get to exercise it. So if you believe you will see the glory of God. Jesus makes this statement right after he tells a group of people, I am the resurrection and the life. And he is is getting ready to raise a guy from the dead. But in the middle of that, he says to them, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. That glory, that word is a really cool word. So in the New Testament, when you read that word glory, it's talking about awesomeness. (laughs) You will see you will see the amazingness of who God is. You will, see, you will see God in ways that blow your mind. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. He shows up and, and it is amazing what he brings when he shows up. In the Old Testament, when you read that word glory, it really has the idea of weight to it. And if you believe, you get to see the glory, the, the weight of God, he brings, he brings his full weight to bear in your circumstances, the stuff that's going on, the pain that you're experiencing in your life. God brings all of who he is into that. He doesn't just show up in a little way, he doesn't show up distracted, he shows up in his fullness. And if you believe, you get to experience the glory of God, the awesomeness, the, the amazingness, the full weight of who he is, If you believe, your faith is important, but if you believe, you get to experience all of who God is being brought to bear on what you're asking him to do and where you're asking him to show up in your life. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Jesus tells us that. The second thing that Jesus tells us, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. So this one, this is a humbling statement. So Jesus said this to a guy who couldn't walk, obviously, by the the last little section of the verse here. He said this to a guy who couldn't walk, whose friends actually brought him. And Jesus looks at his friends, and I don't know if he's looking at just the friends or if he's looking at the friends and the guy, and he says, hey, your faith, your faith is healing you, right? Your faith has healed you. But he says to the guy, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. And this goes back to sometimes the hurt in our lives is connected to the sin our lives, the sin that we've committed. And sometimes, sometimes the connection is really clear. You know, sometimes you've made a decision, you've done something and you have, you have sinned against somebody else in a relationship and now the pain that you're experiencing in that relationship, like you can point back and you know that it's because I sinned against them and every sin is against God, I sinned against them. And so like I know where this pain comes from and sometimes, sometimes it's not as clear, sometimes it's private. Sometimes it's a secret sin, and so the way it expresses in yourself, life itself in your life might be a little different. But, but when Jesus looks at somebody and says, hey, your sins are forgiven, that's an important thing to hear. I'm, your sins are forgiven, I am healing you. It takes humility to hear it. It takes humility to hear that and to receive that statement. It's, it's not a rebuke, but it does require people like you and me to own our sin and to, to own it and not fight back against God and not try to explain it away and not try to blame it on somebody else or blame it on our, it requires us to own. It requires us to own the sin in our lives we've committed and to let him speak into and over that. And it's what is amazing to me is, is he's not looking at the guy saying, hey, shame on you for your sins, right? This is, there is, there is no shame here. There's no condemnation here. This is just Jesus looking at a guy who there is. There's got to be some connection between his condition and his sin. And Jesus says, I want you to know that your sins are forgiven. And now you get to be healed. Get up and walk. And he receives the forgiveness that he didn't argue back. No, 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 no. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't. Like, What are you talking about? He doesn't argue back with Jesus, he just receives the forgiveness that Jesus wants to give him and he receives the healing that Jesus gives to him. And he gets to get up and walk. So receive the forgiveness that God wants to give to you. Your sins are forgiven. And Jesus, by his wounds, you and I get to be healed. The forgiveness that we experience, at leads to healing in our lives. Friends, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. That's the second thing Jesus says. And then the third thing, Return home and tell how much the Lord has done for you. So Jesus says this. He says this to a guy who had been possessed by a legion of demons. And that demonic possession results in this guy living on a hillside that had caves that were used for tombs. And, and he lived naked outside in the elements and Mark in his gospel account of this tells us that night and day he's screaming and yelling as he lives among the tombs and he is cutting himself with rocks. So one day Jesus shows up to this hillside where this guy is living and the demonic beings actually compel him to come to Jesus and Jesus cast those demons out of him. And when the people from town hear what's going on, they all come out to this hillside to see. And this guy who had spent his days screaming and yelling and cutting himself with rocks was clothed, sitting at Jesus' feet. And the gospel accounts tell us he was in his right mind. And it's this, it's this beautiful picture of the healing Jesus brings to us. Physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, he brings healing to this guy and this guy is sitting at Jesus' feet and the townspeople see it. And they are agreed, Jesus, you have got to go. We can't have this happening around our place. You have got to go. And, and so Jesus is like he's acquiescing to their wishes, he's gonna leave. And as he's leaving, this guy that he has healed looks at Jesus and says, hey, I wanna go with you. Because <laughs> you've healed me and nobody in town wants anything to do with you, so I wanna go with you. It makes a lot of sense, right? And and Jesus looks back at this guy and he says, uh-uh, you're not coming with me. What I want you to do is I want you to return home and I want you to tell these people how much the Lord has done for you. And and that has, to, that has to be one of those beautiful, tender moments. And in faith, the guy says yes to what Jesus is calling him to do. But here he sits, here he sits. He, everybody knows. Everybody knows who he is and everybody knows what he's done. Everybody knows that he's the guy who used to live amongst the dead, who would spend all day and all night screaming and yelling and cutting himself with rocks. Everybody knows this about him. And Jesus says, Look, you, need to go back to, you need to go back there. And you tell him how much the Lord has done. And he's gotta be a mess. He's been, he's been cutting himself with rocks, like he's, he's gotta be bruised, he's gotta be bloody. He's, and it's gonna take a while for all of that to, to scab over and to begin to heal, and he's gonna be a guy who has scars. And he's the guy who is gonna be the guy that used to live, among, he was demon-possessed, and he lived amongst the ten. Look at him, he's, he's still scarred. And Jesus looks at this guy and says, yeah, I know, and I see all that, and I know, like, I know. And I want you to return home and tell how much the Lord has done for you. And, and in saying this, what Jesus says to this guy is, hey, there's, there's no shame in who you used to be. There's no shame in who you used to be. I have healed you. The scars that you have, they're not scars that you need to hide. Those scars are part of your story. You have been You have been healed by me and people need to know how much the Lord has done for you because people need to know what the Lord can do for them and people need hope that there is more for them than what they're experiencing today. And so for people like you and me who are willing to bring our hurt to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness and the healing that he wants to give to us, what we get to do is we get to be people who, who move back into the places where we've been and go back into the life and tell how much the Lord has done for us. And so if, if you're here, if you're part of the service this weekend and you're, and, you're willing to, and you're willing to admit it and you're ready to receive it, there is a healer. Jesus, He took our sins, he took our hurts on himself and by his wounds, you and I, if we'll receive it, we get to be healed. So I'd like to lead us in a little prayer time. If you wouldn't mind, if you just bow your head and close your eyes with me and if that's you and you're here, you're part of this and you you want to receive the healing that Jesus offers. Lord, I want to be well. I want to be well. I believe. I believe you can do this. And tell him what you want him to do. I believe you can do this. I wanna see your glory. I'm receiving your forgiveness. Let me be one of the people who tells others what you've done. So Father, we're really grateful that you know what we need before we even ask. And we're really grateful that you don't look at people like us and say, you have to stay in the pain. Just, you're gonna, the hurts are gonna fester. Thank you for being our healer, Lord Jesus. And so, here we are, as individual people, as a church, asking you for your healing in our lives. And we're really grateful that you bring all of who you are to bear in the lives of people like us. Thank you. We're grateful for your love for us, and we're grateful for your power, which you bring into our lives. We're saying yes to all that. And Jesus, we love you. And so we pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, real quick, before you go, if you've got something happening in your life and you need somebody to pray with you or you need somebody to pray for you, and it probably is connected to something we talked about today because it's a broad subject, our prayer team would love to be pray for you. You can just walk down here or you can hit the prayer button on your screen there, and it would be our great privilege to be able to pray with you so that you could begin to experience the healing that God wants to give to you. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. And thanks for being part of this. It's really good to be with you guys. Thank you for being part of this every weekend. I love you. And I hope you have a great weekend. See you next week.